0: on the but the play is not
1: Welcome to another edition of the Brawl the Lions UK podcast, episode 104, The King of the Gods. My name's Matthew Turner, alongside my co-host Anthony Fitzpatrick, and Steve Collins it will shortly be on the way. How you doing, man?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, Matt. It's uh, good to be on for one of these shows. <laughs> I'm not on yeah. them often from home anymore, so it's good to, uh, yeah, good to be on. Good, yeah, it's good to have you on, man. It's been a little
1: while. How's, uh, how was your Christmas?
0: Oh yeah, Christmas went really well. Thanks. Had, had, uh, had a good time. Got to see family. Got to see friends. Got to spend it with some special people. So, yeah, yeah, good fun. How about yourself? Yeah, can't complain. Family
1: and friends, food and drink. No work. Yeah, Pretty solid. This, this,
0: yeah, there's this been entirely too much food and drink, and I'm going to have to lose a lot of weight for this combine we're doing. It's going to be brutal, man, coming into January. <laughs>
1: yeah, so me and Sarah were just working out our sort of plan from like the day after the day after the Super Bowl, because that Monday's right off, especially when you're from the UK. When a game finishes at half past five in the morning, you ain't doing anything the next day. Um, from the day after that, joining the gym... And absolutely blitzing it for the next two months because then the side upside of that, side upside, the, the, the kind of knock on effect of that is that because I'm going to the States for two weeks at the end of April, hiking in the mountains, that I'll be in the best shape of my life. And just as a side kind of thing, I'll be good for the combine. I'll be in the best shape of my life. Unfortunately, exactly. I took out life insurance today because the house purchase that we're doing, the mortgage and whatever, and it says, how tall are you and how heavy are you? Which is not what I needed on the 30th of attempt, if I'm honest. <laughs> it was brutal.
0: <laughs> oh, God, yeah. The weighing scales are away in my house for now. They're not coming back out till at least February or March. Then yeah. I might be able to look at them without fearfully fearing what the results will be.
1: Yeah. Weighing scales at the moment are for potatoes, for roast potatoes, and they're for cake ingredients. And that is all they should be used for. I am not exactly. getting on another one.
0: Exactly, and to measure the size of the Christmas cake I'm eating. Yeah, right, exactly.
1: <laughs> all right, so we are previewing today the Lions at the Seahawks this Sunday, and um, we've got a lot of news to get through as well, actually. It's been one of the most active weeks I've seen in, in months, actually, in Lions football, which is quite interesting. Good to start off with uh, talking about our Discord channel. We are getting more and more people coming on there, which is really fun. Um, open to all. Doesn't matter what team you support, really. We've had um, opposition fans on during, and there's actually been a right laugh. So if you're interested, hit us up on Twitter, send us a DM, and we'll get you on there ASAP. College football podcast is going to be airing at some point this week, talking about the remaining bowl games that have been on there. So do look out for that when it drops. It would have normally been today, but the bowl games are the only things happening. Obviously, the transfer portal has been in full swing, but You know, you can go back and listen to everything that's been happening with that in our most recent episodes. Don't forget to like this episode, sub to the podcast, that'd be a big help to us. Lions Nation Unite, you know all about that now, But Herman Moore's project along with us and all the other hobby podcasters, content creators, it's a great place to be. It's the future of Lions content, so make sure you go and download that. Don't forget as our recent interviews with Herman Moore and also former Lions safety Glover Quinn. You need to go and listen to those, especially Glover. I, I love Herman, and obviously he's a franchise legend, and, and Glover perhaps does not have that level of production in his career. But Glover, the interview was absolutely incredible. What a guy. I mean, I coming into it, he was described as cerebral, and i kind of like, well, yeah, okay, so he thinks a bit about stuff. But no, I mean, it doesn't really do him justice. Steve, you're on. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Can
2: I, can I just stop you there? Did I hear you say hobby? Hobby podcast?
0: Do
2: you mean we're not getting paid for this? (laughs) Am I on under false pretenses?
1: Yeah, I'm afraid so, man. Yeah. Well, I can give you a quid. Will that change things? Matt,
2: just for this podcast, on Monday night, when everyone else was carousing, I sat down and watched the Seattle Seahawks versus the Chicago Bears, so you didn't have to. That's how dedicated I am.
0: I I, don't how about my love, Steve? Is that payment enough? You, you have that, so, you know.
2: And if you blow me a kiss, that that's all the payment I need. Oh, ah. there you go. <laughs> oh, my. I feel God, better already. Good. There we go. Oh, good.
1: <laughs> oh, dear Lord.
0: Right. Shall we move on? Awkward <laughs> in nice. the third wheel, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm feeling left out here, to be honest. We'll, we'll get a room later, and.
0: We will. We will. <laughs> Just not watch any Seahawks games or any Bears games. That would ruin the mood.
1: To be honest, uh, let, let's let's face this reality, right? Because it's something we've known for years now. The Seahawks ain't the problem there. The Bears are the worst team to watch in football. Including the Jacks. They are the worst team to watch in football. At least the Jacks I... have some sort of comedy
0: element to them. I would 100% gorge my eyes out if I had to watch a full season of them.
2: We, we'll come Absolutely. on to it, but, but the, the Seahawks were not exempt from blame in the Monday Night Football against the Bears.
1: Fair enough, we will come on to it. But as i said, one of the most active weeks of news that the Lions have had in months. So let's get to it. And we'll start with the extensive roster moves which have happened since we talked to you last on Monday, so the last three days. The linebacker, Josh Woods, was placed on injury reserve. We've activated Trinity Benson and Matt Nelson from the COVID reserve. We've also placed a Brock Wright, Michael Brockers, and Halepula Vati, Vati on the COVID reserve. Also, Geronimo Allison on the practice squad COVID reserve. He's still here, by the way. Um, activated from the non-football injury reserve is defensive end, Joshon Cornell. Four total snaps in two years. He's hoping he can at least double that in the next game. We've also signed the linebacker Curtis Bolton from the practice squad to the active roster. He has contributed on special teams for us the last three weeks. So they must see something in him clearly. The tight end, Jared Pinkney, who was with us on the practice squad in October, has been signed to the active roster from the Rams practice squad. He will immediately assume tight end one duties this week, unless Brock Wright comes back from COVID reserves, which is possible but unlikely. We've also signed wide receiver Juwan Green and tight end Ross Travis to the practice squad, and we have released cornerback Chris Williams from the practice squad, and if I'm honest, I didn't know who he was either. Ross Travis, worth mentioning that he's been in the league for a little bit of time now, 28 years old. Six foot six, two hundred and forty-eight pound tight end. He was at Arizona earlier this year, although just playing majority special teams play. He's also played for Kansas, Indianapolis, the Jets in his six year, five year, five year career. That's all of the roster moves, guys. Um contracts and other bits coming later, but that's a lot. A lot's happened, and I don't really know what to pick out there like, because maybe none of it's moving the needle massively. It's just, I mean, and and the next bit of news will show this. We're struggling to field a team.
0: Yeah, any any tight end who decides he wants to come here is seriously risking their health at the moment. I think I'd say our our tight end look this year has been absolutely atrocious, and I feel sorry for these guys who are coming in. There's there's some kind of curse on the position at the minute. It's um. It's been unprecedented, hasn't it? The amount of retirements, injuries, all sorts that's gone off there. It's, it's crazy that we're having to just pluck guys off random squads now, just like, please be fit. Please be able to play a few snaps.
2: Yeah, I think a couple of things for me. First of all, um, Ryan McCluskey uh, claims he's not on the pod tonight because he's feeling a bit crap after his COVID booster. I, I don't buy this for a minute. I'm pretty convinced that a safety of the potential of Ryan McCluskey is somewhere on an NFL roster tonight. He's gotta to have a shot, surely. Um, and secondly, I, I logged don't, onto don't Twitter. Call him, <laughs> I logged onto Twitter after work and just went through like all of the like around the NFL, we're tweeting all of the like practice squad editions. And I'm going to the names and I'm like, they're making this shit up. Like some of these names, where I've this just like consonants. Where are they coming from? Some of these players. I don't know what's going on, but like every NFL team is just digging through the coach's little black book of people that they've once played with and people that they've once seen. And, you know, I think it's, it's a really tough spot. I mean, every sport in the UK is having the same thing. Even the darts, they're talking about calling the darts off the other day. Um, And I think this is going to be for any sport in the next couple of months, this is going to be the reality. It's going to be, yeah, next man up, but also like who can hold a squad together.
1: I mean, it's been really hard. Jared, uh, Jared Pinkney coming back. I think that he didn't, obviously, we let him go from the practice squad. So he didn't set the world on fire. And yet we had to start in tight ends on the roster at the time he was here. And we also had Brock Wright, who we believed in at the time. So he was fighting for a tight end spot, which was taken by Jason Kabinda. And then he was beaten off the practice squad by James Ilstra, who we hope he's okay and that he actually plays again in the NFL because that's a horrific injury. Um, but now he's on tight end one. And, I mean, it goes to show you all these sort of vets who maybe are player number 1,000 in the list of active players in terms of quality, they keep them fit, themselves fit for the entire season. And if they can pick up a game check or two and make, I don't know, what's vet minimum divided by... 17 games you could make i don't know 80 grand for one game to keep yourself fit the entire year now you know you're not going to retire on that sort of money but it's enough to get you through a year like these guys and at the sort of real scrape in the barrel but it's going to pay off for some of these guys
0: see for me bolton's the intriguing one here because he's been signed up to the active roster and he's now there through 2022 as well and if you listen to Aaron Glenn today, he was also saying of another guy he wants there in 2022 and it's the same positional group. And with the guys who are already here, it's a bit surprising, but I feel like we're seeing maybe the first hints of team building strategy for this upcoming season. And it's maybe a little bit of a surprising one to be fair, but obviously they've seen a lot in him and, you know, how many guys have come off the practice squad this year or have come up from backup and have performed really well you know they must have seen really something in him to be signing him through next year as well so it's going to be intriguing to see what happens with him and whether he sees the field much towards the end of the year but
2: i mean i mean they they, they had um, philip rivers was trending on twitter uh, a couple of days ago and i was like surely not and actually read the story, and they have actually had a conversation with Phil Rivers. Like, it's not a man to do anything, and they're still going, I think, with the guy who's was their third-string backup because Carson Vence is is out of the picture. But the fact that they actually picked up the phone to Philip Rivers, who's been you know, teaching high school football since last January, um, and actually had a phone conversation, speaks volumes about the kind of I guess, contingency plans that some of the NFL teams are going to, like, you know, the re- reality that they're looking at. The so guy who's, you know, I'm, I'm sure Phil Rivers is still in reasonable shape, but he's no way going to be, like, you know, potentially ready to go into a playoff campaign.
0: He must, have, he must have had at least three more kids, though, since he broke off then. So, you know, he, he might want to break from it. Potentially. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. none of our coaching staff have been
2: called up yet. <laughs> Well, Dan Campbell did mention that in his press conference because someone asked Dan Campbell uh, if he could, you know, still, uh, you know, play a role as a tight end, and he said he said something like uh, there would be kneecaps on the field, but there would have been his because one of them would have fallen off.
1: <laughs> oh man, bad play. Um, one prime he has mentioned that we have Nick Eubanks on the practice squad from Michigan, tight end, I think, UDFA last year. So I I don't know whether that's an indictment of him. They obviously have released some people from the practice squad they don't believe in, as well as signed some people. So I don't know whether it's an indictment on him or not. He's still here, but he's not on the active roster. And, you know, it's just a difficult one there, but I don't know a huge amount about him, having not watched a huge amount of college ball last year. See, the thing is, I
0: think it would show you this year that they've been promoting the right people up to the squads. You know, the guys generally who've been coming up have been taking an opportunity and staying there. So I think it maybe does say something a little that He's not come up yet because they seem to be finding the right guys to bring up. Mm. So yeah, it, it would be a bit of an indictment as if I was looking at it that way.
1: Yeah. Right. I got a few more bits of news and then Dan's got a question on Twitch. I want to get to, um, Halaputovati Vaitai's contract has been restructured. It releases $1 million of cap room, which ties us over the rest of the year, increases cap hit around 300 grand for the next three years. So not really moving the needle much for the next few years, whether he stays or goes. I really don't think it makes a difference. I think he's going to stay anyway, by the way. But, you know, it was a possible cut candidate and now maybe slightly less so next year. Regardless, it means that we can actually finish this season. All of the moves above. All of those guys potentially not able to go on Sunday. All of these guys that have gotten injured. I mean, they still count against our cap, but we need to replace them as starters. So we need to sign people, but we have no cap space. This was one of the few people left who had any room to restructure the season. So it was inevitable without restructuring Goff, which we could do, but clearly they want to retain a little bit more flexibility with him. And when Brown wins NFC, Offensive Rookie of the Week. It was inevitable. Month. Beg your pardon. Sorry. So he's the fifth line to do so. The first since Jam best in 2010. It comes off the back of his third nomination for the weekly awards this season. He's got the second highest receptions of any wide receiver this December, just behind Cooper Cup. He's also the first rookie to have at least 35 receptions in a calendar month since 2014. To put into perspective how historic the Sun God's production has been, and to call him the Sun God kind of does him a disservice, because as I've been doing my research on who Amon Ra exactly was, and I should know because I do like my Egyptian mythology, but Amon Ra was known as the King of the Gods, second only to Osiris, hence the name of the episode, King of the Gods. Final bit of news alluded to by An- Ant- uh, Aaron Glen, Aaron Glenn has said he'd love to have Jalen Roos maybe back in 2022 and he'd have a good shot to be starting inside linebacker If he did return, Amon had to be, had to
0: be the rookie of the month, right? There was no choice. Absolutely. I mean, the development levels he's shown have been something fierce. I mean, he started, we all had high hopes at the start of the season that he was just going to go off on a tear. It's taken him a little while, taken him a while to get his rapport up with Goff. But he seems to have it with Boyle. And you know, he's just come on leaps and bounds. And you could see from his preseason training, you know, he he trains hard, he's dedicated, he's committed. You always knew it was just sort of a matter of time, I think, until he eventually started getting things right. And he seems to he seems to have really settled into the offense now and is a trusted target. And I mean, God, he, he makes some great plays. I mean, the touchdown the other day was was really good. It was just really good perseverance, two missed tackles, forcing his way over the line. Yeah, I think he's I think he's more than justified for that. You know, he's, he's had a really great month and long may it continue, but it's not surprising that he's getting the way he is and it's just another, you know, tick for Dan Campbell and his staff for getting the player development right, finding the niche for them and maximising it to its fullest.
2: I think it's the consistency that he's, he's um, churning out the performances now. It's just been really, really solid. You know, I mean, he's not had too many drops, but you know, he did have a couple and a couple of blown routes early in the season. It just seems to be now always there. Whereas I think in some of those earlier games, he just disappeared for large chunks of the game. But you know, it's just an absolutely thrilling to see the guy just come through and really ball out.
1: Yeah, there's been some suggestions. I've seen some pieces suggesting he's our WR one, and it really means, but like, depends what you mean by a WR one. If what you mean is Best receiver on the team right now. Sure, WR1. If you mean primary wide receiver on the team, first read always, going to be the person schemed for by the other team week on week, he's never going to be that guy. And that's not what he's here to do. He's here to be better than Danny Amandola's been over the last few years. Like that's that's what his role's going to be. Primary kind of check down outlet, someone to Give some people over the middle some problems and occasionally go out wide, you know, when the situation allows. And he's absolutely balled out in that role and maybe it can expand, but he's only a rookie. We've got to give him a chance and that's what we've been doing and it's worked out so well so far. Let's not have our expectations go too high too fast because he can't keep this level of production up. Like, you just heard how historic this run has been. There's going to be some regression. Let's not chastise him when he doesn't get 35 receptions first month in next year. That's not going to happen. So let's keep expectations on the low. The guy's done great and he deserves props.
0: Well, we're going to have new targets here eventually. So, you know, at the minute, he's like you said, he's one of the primary go-to guys. There's no Hawk in there anymore. who's was obviously one of the big ones. DeAndre's been injured. He's another one of the big ones. So I think he's benefited from that. But he's exactly what we want him to be. He's a really, really good slot guy. And he's shown that he can work outside as well, which is all the better for us going forward. But in terms of that primary slot position, he's got that racked up now. And we said this season, if he could do that, and one less hole to fill going forward. Go out, get the big flashy guys eventually. And this wide receiver core is going to be really good. You know, when Cephas is back, you know, Reynolds is looking like he might be here a little longer. The depth there is is sorted. We just need to go out and get our, you know, main guys now. And then we're in a really good position. But, yeah, he's, he's been absolutely great. And I don't, I don't think people are going to over... Well, hopefully they're not going to put too much expectation on him, but he's he's developed just exactly like we wanted him to. Well,
1: the question I wanted to get to that Dan asked was, uh, do you guys think that Jared Goff's recent quarterback play has shifted Brad and Dan's draft strategy? I replied to him saying, um, I don't really think it has. The mass doesn't lie annoyingly, but I'll put it to you guys. He replied saying, I'm just wondering if there's any Brian Tannehill-esque stuff here with him. So, that's the sort of way that the question's been framed. And, you know, he has obviously played much, much better in the last three games that he's played. Is it sort of, do you think that quarterback was absolutely 100% on their agenda for this draft and now is less than 100%? Or where where did you think we were? Where do you think we are now? Do you think it's changed?
0: I think when he was first brought here, I think two years was the minimum in mind. I don't think there was ever any intention of getting a quarterback in this coming draft. I don't think there was any intention there whatsoever. However, the first half of the season, the alarming play would not have surprised me if doubts sort had of started to creep up and they had have started to think about it a bit more. But I think with this recent, you call it an upturn in form, whatever, I think now that that, Those doubts will have gone again. I think when you're building up a team, quarterback's one of the last positions you go for. And there's, you know, there's some good guys here this year, but there's not an outstanding guy worth spending your massive pick on or whatever. So I think there's no inclination to get one. I'd like to get one. I think there's a guy I like in there, but I don't think it's shifted Holmes and Campbell. I think, if anything, it's just reaffirmed to them that year two will be fine. And they can worry about other positions this year, as opposed to quarterback.
2: Um, I, I don't quite agree with Ant, um, which is unusual because, like, I think Ant's take on college football is, uh, you know, uh, probably unrivalled on the podcast. But, like, for me, I, I think that Holmes is an absolute tactician, and he is thinking, you know, years and years ahead in terms of draft picks. And I think he will have he will have, I guess, probably strategized what next season looks like. And the problem that we've got if we follow kind of that mantra that Ant's laid out, what happens if we finish seven and ten or eight and nine next season? Like we are going to be mid-pack for a QB. And as we know in the NFL, you've always got five or six teams that are. You know, could be tempted to to trade up. You know, um, Steelers. If it looks like Roethlisberger might be calling it a day, so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Steelers have just been added to the you know the list of teams after a QB, and there will be more, and there'll be injuries and all sorts of, of different permutations. I I think with the amount of draft capital that they've got, I never thought that a that a QB pick with their first pick this year this year was on the cards. I completely agree with Amp when it, when it comes to that. I think that they're definitely going to look for another chess piece and it's not a QB. But Goff's, you know, Goff has been, we, we took on Goff to be a serviceable QB to support the rebuild for the next two years. And for much of this season, he's been like shocking and he's kind of undermined the efforts of the rest of the team. However, and, you know, I was very much pro golf when he started. I gave him a chance. You know, he, he, he really struggled. What we've seen in the last three or four games is we've, we have seen a resurgence, but it's a resurgence where he is now back to being a serviceable mid-pack QB. He, he's not looking like a top 10 QB. He's not looking like a, a Mahomes or a, a Josh Allen. He's looking kind of like average but someone who can win a game if if he needs to. But in terms of the draft capital we've got this year, I think he will use that second pick or maybe a second round pick on a QB that can sit behind Goff for 12 months. And if the wheels come off, Goff at any point might be able to step in, but certainly you know, has the benefit of working with no pressure, not having to throw a new QB into the league straight away and that's such a gift for any nfl team to pick a qb and then sit him for a year or just you know introduce him in you know small uh, small snap situations it seems to me crazy that they wouldn't do that so i think if if the as the board plays out this year there's a qb at the bottom end of round 1 or the top end of round 2 that they think they has got some de- 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 developmental room i think they'll absolutely go for him
1: I tend to agree with Steve, but I think having watched the draft this year and the way that they explained everything, they hammered hard home so much the idea of best player available. And I don't think that's smokescreen. So what I think they'll have on their list of needs is developmental quarterback. I do think that will be on the board. If one doesn't fall to a position of value, I don't think they'll take one. But if one does, I think they will jump at it. And I don't think that'll be at 1-2. But it could well be at one Rams. It could be at 2-1 It could or 2-2 or whatever it is. And it could be further down. It really depends what they consider the values of those quarterbacks to be and where they're putting. Because if the that quarterback is, for them, the best player available at the time, they will take... Them. I'm 100% on that. It's just the way that they've done things. They haven't been afraid to double-dip at positions. They haven't been afraid to take draft picks in positions that we're already strong in. They're not shying away from that sort of thing at any other position. So why quarterback should be different with a player that, for me, still does not have a long-term future here. One more season, and he's gone. And I don't really care how well he does next year. I think he's just definitely gone. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them not take someone because they consider someone else to be the best player available every single time you pick. So, I still think it's fluid. I think that Goff playing well the last three weeks has maybe made the urgency less. But not by much.
0: See, I think that's the case. It's value in these quarterbacks this year. I just feel like they're in that gap between our second round pick and our third round one, but they're all going to be gone. I think they. I 2-1's too high, or 2-2's two, going to be too high for a lot of them, but They're not going to be around till three. So I feel like you will be reaching on them just a little bit. And, you know, I think there'll be a few gone possibly by the time it gets to the Rams one anyhow, the ones who you might be more sure of doing so. I mean, if Corral and Howell are off the board, then certainly you've got a massive choice to make. Then it's a big gamble. And I'm with you. I think I looked at what Holmes did last year and I just... I don't see the strategy there where there's going to be a QB in play for what he wants and what he does, you know, because his strategy completely took, I think, a lot of us back last year, the way he did it. and just, I think yeah. they're going to build outwards now. I think that offensive line's ready. The the defensive line maybe needs a little bit of help. Um, the linebackers certainly need some help there. I feel he's got to continue building outwards that way, and then the flashy receivers and the flashy quarterback will come probably the year after.
2: I think the thing to, to look at for me is look at last year's draft, which was supposedly one of the strongest for QBs and look at what's actually happened to, to those first QBs picked. So you've got Trevor Lawrence at one really struggled at the Jags and not just in a struggling Jags team, but he struggled himself in terms of his form. I mean, Zach Wilson has just been so, you know, all over the place at the Jets, uh, Trey Lance was picked third for the, the, you know, the 49ers, they moved up to get him, and he's not provided you know, really anything for them. Um, you, you know, so you look at at the draft capital invested and the fact that these all of these teams have ended up you know pushing their QB, but that QB, that, that rookie straight into the thick of NFL action. And they've all kind of like fallen flat on their faces. And if we had the opportunity, like I said, to sit someone. And just as if you look at what Green Bay are doing with Jordan Love, what the Vikings are doing with Kellen Mond, what the Bears would have done with Justin Fields, except that Nagy is desperately trying to save his job. So had to throw him in. You know, that's the strategy that for me is is the win. Um, and, And I think it's just too good an opportunity for the franchise to miss by not doing it this year.
0: I think the one big difference, though, between the examples you've given there and us is we have, and in 12 months we'll have even further, a really good offensive line. You go to the Jaguars with Lawrence, it's terrible. You go to, you know, the Jets with Wilson, I mean, outside of Becton, there's not a great deal there. I mean, you even go to the Bears. The Bears line's trash. Oh, completely, ooh. completely and utterly trash. You see, yeah. Justin Fields got murdered in his first game. I think here you've got your left tackle for till 2025. You've got you know your centre, one of the best in the league wrapped up for years. Saul's going to be 12 months older. Jackson's going to be 12 months older. You're coming behind a very good offensive line here. So as a rookie, you're not going to be put in a position where you're going to be running for your life every day. The other so thing think- with
1: that as well is it's not just how long they've been here because Saul came in and has done great, but on a unit that's so much built on
0: chemistry, returning the exact same
1: five is going to be huge.
0: Exactly. And and also, you've got to take into account the quarterback you bring in here. That the situation you're putting in, you're with Goff, his lack of you know, a wide receiver one, maybe even a two, you might say, it's, it's, it's hindered him. And if we're going to do that to a rookie quarterback as well, that could potentially hinder them here. We need to get these guys in and then find a quarterback who's going to fit the system for the players that we have. And you know, I, th- I think that's cr- critical. That's why I think, you know, getting a quarterback again later on helps because when you've got the team built, you then understand the characteristics of the quarterback you need, you know, whether he's a pocket guy, whether he's a dual threat guy, you know, whether you want a bit of both. I think then you can really analyse what you need when you've got your players here. But you don't want to be putting a new guy in a position where, again, he's not got a wide receiver one to aim at, you know, trusty guy who's going to bail him out a little bit every now and then. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I can
1: see a universe where it makes sense. You could take a quarterback anywhere in the draft. I mean, I think there's going to be value later on, but it depends whether you're willing to take the swing in the fourth or the fifth or the sixth or whatever. But if I have a look at Pro Football Network's article from two and a half weeks ago as to the top ten quarterbacks in this draft, and of course some are actually returning to college, so it's not entirely relevant, all of them. But number three is Carson Strong he's someone amongst a kind of group of quarterbacks who could fall there's so many in this sort of like middling good to quite good tier and and some of them have got to fall as much as some of them have got to be taken somewhere so there's strong there there's how there's Willis who we all don't really want at this point i think but anyway number 6 on the list is will levis levis from kentucky now they said that this is contingent on him actually declaring early, but he's above Ridder, for example, in this list of quarterbacks. So there's if this guy declared early, they're talking about him as a possible, you know, second or third round pick. If you could get someone like him at three two, if you he's ahead of Ridder, if you could take Ridder at three two, some of the other guys on this list, Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan.
0: No,
2: no, if, Leavis,
0: if you, Leavis is an air raid quarterback as well. He's based in an air raid system, which is not what we play. Bailey's it, app? <laughs> Bailey's app has an air raid system and a lot of development there. That's, that's the trouble. There's no way in hell Leavis is better than Ridder. I know that much. But.
2: If, if you look at the top six QBs, so say look at Pickett, Coral, Willis, Howell, Ridder, and Carson Strong, I, I reckon I'd have a f- £5 says all of those go in the top 50 picks. None of those will drop into the second half of, of round two. They'll all be top 50 picks. Exactly. I'll, I'll put them in there because people will panic and people will trade up.
0: But it's not only that as well, but you're, you, you're not just getting teams who want a quarterback. You're getting teams who are looking for their quarterbacks for the future and can afford to sit them with a the second round pick. You know, there's a lot more teams in play there. So that's what I mean. The value here, going to be a lot of ones who go between 35 and 60 when we're picking just because every team can pretty much be in for them, even with an established guy, because they could very well get themselves the guy of the future. So that's the issue here. And I, I don't fancy us reaching for one this year. I, I still feel like there's a lot of holes and we need to get the best player who's on the board at the time.
2: And I think Bill Barnwell said 21 teams have got QB question marks in their roster. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like two-thirds of the, of the league.
0: Yeah, and this is a perfect year to punt on a guy who could potentially have massive upside. Who you don't need to start right away, which is, which is the issue. And you know, for us, I think if you if those top two or three are gone, I mean, Howell's the guy I want if he's there, and they will go for him. But underneath that, we're not in a position where we can be giving up such a high pick for him, maybe. Whereas other teams will be able to.
1: Yeah, I be, I do see the argument. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but. I know people don't think this is a 2013 star NFL draft for QBs. No one thinks it's that bad. But there is previous with not that many quarterbacks being taken. In that particular draft, only four went in the top 100. You know, like, it's not unprecedented that not many get taken. Now, I think that actually quite a few teams do need quarterbacks, at least backups if not starters. So we'll see what happens. But by this time on the rumor mill, we've normally elevated some quarterbacks above where they should be, and that hasn't happened yet. And that's weird. Like you'd expect the train to be running almost full steam at this point, because there are teams out of the running, looking at the draft. Now.
0: So, and so you- exactly. And I think as a hot take here, I think there could potentially only be one guy who goes in the first round. I I can very easily see that happening being Corral with, being coral
1: yeah. or oh, pickett
0: No, will been Corral. i think he could be a situation where he's the only one i mean pickett's age counts against him for a first round pick um but i can see a i can see a scenario where one of them goes i mean especially with the amount of edge rushers on the market etc you know receivers as well receivers cool. seem to be popping up into the first round i think you see a lot more than you might have thought before with them a lot of guys, especially in the 20s, who are going to go on receiver.
2: OK, so so fantasy GM, just for one one second, just indulge me, right? So say we take Hutchinson or Thibodeau with our first pick. Yeah. And the Rams pick, let's say we're picking a... Well, let, let's
1: tw- let's put in Carl actors just so Ant doesn't cry. No. Steve and <laughs> on. Um,
2: So say the Rams pick is, say, 29. Yeah. OK? So we get down to pick number 28. And... Sam Howell and Matt Cole are still on the board, but the Tennessee Titans are picking at 28, one ahead of us. What do you do? Sorry, can you repeat the question?
1: I was just repeating there, replying to someone on YouTube. So we've we've picked an end to our show with the first pick.
2: The Rams pick's going to be the 29th, but the Titans are at 28, one ahead of us. And we get to pick 27 and all of those QBs are still on the board. What do we do? Like, say, say Howell's the one that you really want, and he's still on the board at twenty-seven, but the Titans are picking at twenty-eight. I, I let
0: it run. Just let it. Run. I, I let I let it run. I, I love. I, I really like him, but I'm not giving up capital for him because we've got so many holes we need to fill. And but, but the Titans will be the team that pick a no, QB. Out, out of, no, out. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will take the QB. No, but I mean, I mean, higher they'll
2: take a, a QB. They'll take Pickett or someone higher up, surely. Well, if they but, do, though, they'll be picking at 18,
1: maybe, 17, if they don't get into the playoffs, and they could get in the playoffs. Corral will it's,
2: go top 10. The Steelers are currently down to pick at number uh, 15. 15. Yeah. Cor- yeah, so Corral will go
0: far. top 10, so I, th- I think he's gone by then. And I think Howell's the next one to go. Anyway, they, let's,
1: I've got one question from Ken, and then let's move on from this, because we have got three months of it, and it doesn't need to be decided right now. Ken Stauder has asked a question, and I have replied undrafted. I just want to make sure our expert agrees with me. JT Daniels.
0: He'll go back to college. He won't declare. There we he's go. Been, he's, he's been beaten out for the number one job there this year. He will go back to college, and if he doesn't, then I agree with you. He'll not oh. get drafted by anybody. There we go. All right.
1: Let's move on to the Seahawks preview because we're 40 minutes into an hour show <laughs> and we haven't started talking about a game. Love but, it. I mean, we could be here all night. I don't mind. Uh, to start off with a betting, Betfair has it at 23-10 to for the Lions. Seahawks are 3-1 on the spread, 7 points in the Seahawks' favour over under 42.5. So they can anticipate a low-scoring game in the Seahawks' favour. Injury report, I don't think it's been updated for Thursday yet. I'm just reloading it now just to see. It hasn't. It's long. It's long for the Seahawks. So, starting out with the did-not-practices, ignoring the vet days, because it means nothing. Gabe Jackson, the guard. John Rattigan, the linebacker. The, uh, Al Woods, the defensive tackle. Brandon Shell, the tackle. DK Metcalf, the wide receiver. Pooine Afford, the defensive tackle are uh, all did not practice on Wednesday. Limited in practice, Alex Collins, the running back. Freddie Swain, the wide receiver. Ethan Potchich, the interior offensive lineman. Uh, sorry, limited. Sorry, it was just Alex Collins. The rest are full practice. Potchich, Tyler Ott, the long snapper. Quandre Diggs, free safety. Brian Moan, the defensive tackle. Rashad Penny, the running back. They are all full practice, especially worrying for the Seahawks in that list. Uh, Puna Ford and Al Woods are two of their top three PFF players on their defense in the interior of their line. One thing they can actually do very well is stop the run. So that could be big misses if they're both out. Their issues are Al Woods with a shoulder and Puna Ford with a concussion. So he's got to get through the protocol to come back. DK Metcalf, obviously fantastic receiver. He's got a foot issue. Um, the others are uh, by the by. But that's a really long list, not least the fact that Jamal Adams, Chris Carson are on IR, and LG Collier, uh, LJ Collier is on the COVID list. It's, it's an absolute mess. For the Lions, Kabinda with a knee, Jared Goff with a knee, both did not practice on Wednesday. Jalen made with a shoulder was limited. Julian Aquara and DeAndre Swift both full. Practice looks like Swift is coming back, boys. What do you make of that so far? That's a lot to take in for the Seahawks. It's a really beat up team.
0: They've had a rough year, they've had a really rough year. But I mean, it's going to be what their first you know losing season in what 10 11 years. So I think it just seems like a bit of a blip season for them. But certainly, as far as we're concerned for this one, that they're, they're not to be feared. They're to be respected. I mean, there'd be a day when you play the Seahawks and you would fear them. I don't think you do that anymore, but obviously you've got to respect the talent that's still in there. Some incredible players, but it is a beat-up team which ain't going to the playoffs. Um, There's a lot of pressure up there, and we have none. We have absolutely zero pressure on us in this game, especially if Goff ain't going to go again. And we've seen in previous weeks that teams succumb to this pressure. You know, we... We don't have anything to prove. We just got to go out there and play the best we can. And these teams who have pressure on them, you know, they don't always come through. And despite there's nothing to play for, it's this is a thing of you know pride for them. If they lose to us, then that really caps off their season in dismal fashion. So, you know, I, I, I feel confident about this one. I feel I feel confident more than I have in recent weeks, just because. I know how our team's playing. It's playing incredibly well. It's one play away from winning another game last week. You know, it's just about there, even with all these rookies and backups in. And, yeah, I have no fear of the Seahawks team whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I think um, it's not just the physical toll of all the injuries. Um, For me, you know, I'll come on to it um, a bit later, but after watching them play against the Bears, it's also the kind of the mental toll of a team that, is about to be pitched into a full rebuild, I think. So, I mean, this is um, this is the first time since 1996 when they were playing in the AFC West that they have finished bottom of their division, which is like an astonishing statistic. Um, I think it's the third time in 12 seasons under Cowell that they've not made the playoffs, which again, for like a franchise like the Seahawks, You know, I mean, it's really got to hurt. And I think it's going to be like their worst season since 2011. So, you know, this really feels like end of days um, for kind of Pete Carroll and and certainly Russell Wilson as a partnership. I mean, there was enough speculation last year about Russell Wilson and, you know, laughable, is he going to go to the Bears chat, um, which I enjoyed. Um, But, I mean, I think this year Seattle is going to be an absolute frenzy of speculation um, and it looks like the team has already got like one eye on the off-season yeah. yeah Don't disagree with that
1: at all Going into their record, they're 5-10 and 10. What's interesting is that despite the disparity that both of these metrics show normally, quite funny that they show the same for this team Pro Football Reference and Football Outsiders both put the expected win-loss record at 7.5-7.5 each which means the seahawks are one of the unluckiest teams in football according to both of those metrics now when we looked at the falcons when we've looked at games previously to that they often have massive disparities so the fact that they're aligned on this means that i actually have some confidence that it might true they are up fourth as has been mentioned earlier in the nfc west and that's locked which means we're also playing them next year so it takes on an added something by the fact that we know that we're going to be repeating this in less than 12 months time their last three games they beat the Texans in Houston 33-13, and they lost to the Rams in LA 20-10 to before losing to the Bears at home 25-24 to late. Overall, their DVOA is 3.9%, which puts them at 15th in the NFL. So despite the bad records, that would seem to bear out some of the figures that we've seen earlier from Pro Football Reference and Football Outsiders as to their overall team and how they've played versus their results. PFF however slightly more disagree with their record which is a 71.7 overall grade and 23rd in the NFL Um, I'll come on to why they've been an unlucky team in in a moment but what do you guys make of that? Do you think that's fair that this team has played better than the results they've got so far this season?
0: I'm not buying that. No, they've played poor. The offences look stale. The defence has for the second year have been in a row been atrocious. And you think of the amount of capital that's invested in there. It's huge. They're paying a lot of money out to guys in there and you know, they're giving up they give up so much yardage, especially through the air. And you think that secondary is where they've got some of their best players, which are the best ones out on IR, but They've 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 been underachieving. You know, there's nothing about this saying they're unlucky. They've got a lot of talented players and they've just not been very good. You know, and it doesn't help they're in one of the toughest divisions in football. I get that, but you see them when they played the Rams, there was such a gulfing class between them. The Rams, you know, was one of the few times I was willing the Seahawks to win, and there was such a gulfing class between them. I mean, they lost to the 49ers as well, who've had a up and down season they've lost the Cardinals as well it's they've, they've, they've been poor considering those players they've got they should be doing a lot lot better and you know I don't agree with the fact they've been unlucky I think they've been bad
2: yeah and I think I think some of that has got to go on to Pete Cowell in terms of his ability to you know get production out of the talent at his disposal Um, yeah, I Absolutely no respect to Condre Diggs at all because, you know, a great player, but he would be considered, you know, kind of like, a, you know, maybe a journeyman in some NFL rosters. You know, he's certainly not a star in, in the same way as some of the other players in the roster. And, you know, he's completely, um, you know, outperformed everyone else in, in the secondary, um, even the bigger names. And to me, that there's something wrong with that. Um, DK Metcalf, again, like, you know, one of the poster boys of the league. I mean, his performance against the Bears was just absolutely, like, shocking. He scored a touchdown, uh, I think he had a 41-yard catch with in the first drive of the game, and then literally disappeared, just absolutely disappeared for the rest of the game. Um, you know, he wasn't injured, he was still playing snaps, but, I mean, I think he had one more reception after that. It was almost as though he'd said, "I've got my highlight reel. I've scored my touchdown. I've earned my bonus. You know, I'm, I'm just going to take a snooze for the for the rest of the game."
1: Mm. That's interesting to hear. Right, let's um, let's talk a bit about their offense in particular, then, so we can get onto TK Metcalf, second-rated PFF player on the Seahawks offense, by the way. Uh, the offense per PFF overall is 71.7. That's 22nd in the NFL by DVOA. 7.3% is 11th in the NFL. Scored 306 points. That's 20.4 a game, which is 20th in the NFL. 289 uh, attempts in the passing game. Four, uh, sorry, 289 completions on 440 attempts. 2,971 yards. 23 touchdowns. 6 interceptions. 6.1 net yards per attempt. That puts them second. In interceptions given away, second fewest, but only 31st in attempts, so they've not thrown the ball very much. What's funny is that in the Russian attack, they've got 342 attempts for 1,607 yards, 4 touchdowns, and 4.7 yards per attempt. That yards per attempt is 5th in the NFL, but again, they're 31st in attempts. Now, normally when you see someone have a very low attempts in passing well, they normally have the the corresponding opposite in the throwing game or uh, sorry in in the running game or vice versa the fact that the 30 person attempts in both means that their offense hasn't been on the field which is really horrible i mean so what this means especially with that yards per attempt being so high is that their offense has actually been able to do good things but their defense has been letting them down badly um we'll come on to defense later but this offense is sneaky okay i think it's underrated because they haven't been given time to
0: do anything yeah but why why are the defense on the field so long the defense is only on the field for so long because your offense isn't doing its job right that you know it it can't be if the if the seahawks offense is playing that well then why is its defense on the pitch so long their own their own defensive players have been saying themselves how the hell are we supposed to you know, keep these stats down when we're on the field for so long. They've been criticizing their own teammates on the offense, you know, and, and you just look at the names on there. You've got to look at the receivers alone. You've got Lockett and Metcalf, two of the best receivers in the business. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the business. Well, you know, as per usual, there's no offensive line there to guard Wilson. You know, I think Everett's been injured, is it? The tight end, I know they've had issues there. Yeah. I mean, Rashad Penny's come through, which has been good for them. I mean, he's just been injured constantly but he seems to be finally getting his feet but that's that's the offense's fault you know the, look at our defense at the start of this year how often was it on the pitch you know they were making good plays and they were doing well in games but the games especially we got blown out and it's because they were on the field too long and they were on the field too long so our offense could not do it it's the same with the Seahawks it's just it's predictable play calling you know it's Wilson likes to go for the big Hollywood passes. as he likes to this you know it's They've, you know, people say Carroll's becoming too predictable and, and he is. It is easier to deal with them now than it used to be. And you've got no legion of boom left to get the offense back on the field quickly. But yeah, it's, it's...
2: I, I think, um, you know, in terms of the, the O-line, Russell Wilson's only played 12 games this season because Geno Smith's been on the field for four, four of them. And he's taken 31 sacks for like 253 yards loss in 12 games. You know I mean and this is Russell Wilson who's traditionally been one of the hardest players in the league to you know to sack. So that for me is a bit of a I guess an indictment. Um and yeah I think you know Lockett has outperformed Metcalf consistently. Um they brought Gerald Everett in and he's not really done it at tight end. You know I don't even know who who their wide receiver three would be like maybe Freddie Swain.
0: Swain Askbridge I mean,
2: he's not really been on the field much, I don't think. No. Um, Surprising. So, you know, and, and then in, in terms of the running game, uh, I saw sort a of stat that Rashad Penny, who's been one of these like nearly men for you know several seasons, I think he's only got 900 career yards, but 350 of them have been in the last four games. And that shows kind of like how they've had to like fall back. Um, and, and actually he was one of the bright sparks against the Bears. Um, but you know, it it was hard, hard going, and you can see that the finger injury that Russell Wilson has got, I, I'm not sure what week he he did it, and, and and what what how, you know, in terms of the chronology of when he was out with surgery. But I mean, he just didn't look right. He just absolutely his throwing action didn't look right. The ball was coming out of his hands, you know, a bit wobbly, and it just didn't look like Russell Wilson. And he he just had absolutely no no dynamism or spark at all. And once they got behind, you never thought that he was going to do anything.
0: But this this roster's suffering because, you know, they've traded away so many of their picks in recent years. They only had three draft picks this year. It was a third, a fifth, and a seventh, I believe it was. So you've got no rookies coming through. You're going to have a problem with deals going down the line because, you know, you've got a lot of vets on your book. And I think they're missing some of their big picks again this year. So in terms of them being able to try and roll over the roster and recreate it and re- reload it, they've struggled because of that as well. You can't go through a draft with three picks and they've not really done a great deal outside of that.
1: No. But no. I, I it's mean, not d- good
0: for your long term.
1: No, Eskridge is a terrible pick because it doesn't do anything for you long term, especially when that's pretty strong. When you've got limited picks, he got to actually pick your positions of need. Like he was, over, he
0: was, he was reached for, but he's a good player. They just, reach. oh yeah.
1: No, I don't disagree with that. But when he's only his ceiling is WR three because you've got Metcalf and Lockett.
0: He's your first pick in the draft.
1: Yeah, it it's just it's just one. a bad choice. Let me move on to exactly why this team has big problems, and it's what we've been saying about this offense that it it hasn't been doing the business because despite everything I've tried to say in terms of the fact that it's sneaky okay it's the worst team in the league on offense in situational football worse even than the Lions by a long way third down 57 conversions on 169 attempts 33.7% is last in the NFL fourth down I mean they barely attempt it but when they do Three completions on 10. 30% is 31st in the NFL. Now, they're better in the red zone. 23 of 37. 62% is 7. But they've only got 37 red zone trips. Their defense has suffered 55 trips. Like, massive disparity. So they can't convert on third down between the 20s, which means they don't get to the red zone. So on first and second down, they're fine. You know, they, they do the business and actually sometimes they hit people over the top. So they get to third and fourth down. But when it gets to the nitty gritty things, they falter massively and they get off the field and put their defense in bad situations, which is basically what Amp says. So that's it in a nutshell. Looking at their big players on offense. So obviously we've talked about Russell Wilson, 12 games. 224 completions, 2,639 yards, 18 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, net yards per attempt, 6.35, which is really low for someone with a deep ball as good as he's got. As Steve mentioned, he's been dealing with a finger injury for much of the season. His passer rating is 99.4, quarterback rating 47.6, PFF grade 70.2. is fine, but one of the worst of his career. Their re- leading uh, running back recently has been Alex Collins, 11 games, 108 uh, attempts, 411 yards, two touchdowns, Uh, not really been a factor in the passing game. But as Steve just mentioned, Rashard Penny has really come into his own the last few weeks after coming back from IR. He is really one to look out for this weekend. The wide receivers, we mentioned them already, but they are the top two rated PFF guys on the Seahawks offense. Tyler Lockett, 65 catches on 99 uh, attempts, 1,053 yards and five touchdowns, PFF grade 79.7. And DK Metcalf, 64 catches, so only one less than Tyler Lockett, 846 yards and nine touchdowns, PFF grade of 77.6. They also have Lions, former Lions fullback Nick Bellore, so two former Lions on their team, sneaky kind of Bellore Diggs revenge games coming. Um,
2: Isn't Adrian Peterson still on their roster?
1: Oh, he is on their practice squad. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good shout. Good shout. So this offense, both big names. And actually, I heard a stat that said recently, I think it was a PFS stat on their podcast, that this is the best graded offensive line that Russell Wilson has had in his career. Which tells you something given the number of sacks he's suffered. I imagine that quite a lot of the sacks are actually on him rather than on the O-line, but that's always been true of Russell Wilson's so see. Um, anything about those stats surprising you the third and fourth the third down one really sticks out to me like the, the worst team on third down in football like how how can a team this good with russell wilson and his legs like you can't throw okay well just let them scramble for it then but they've
0: they've suffered from not putting themselves in good situations well you know that that that's the problem there. Like you say, they're not putting themselves in good situations. They're not scheming well. You know, the run game has been better recently, but for the most part, it hasn't been. And that's where the Seahawks have struggled forever because Carson's always injured. And for the last few years, they have really struggled to get themselves in third and short. And the trouble is when you're in third and long, you know exactly what the Seahawks go to. They're going to target Metcalf. They're going to target Lockett. Just watch those two guys. Send a load of pressure after Russ because that O-line can't hand up. And there you go. Bob's your uncle. Drive over. And that's what I mean. It's entirely too predictable on their side of the ball. And, you know, if you're watching tape on how to play these guys, that's exactly how you do it. You know, expose the fragile run game, put them in third and long, and then just mark the two dangerous guys. And then, you know, you're doing pretty well against it. So, I mean, you talk about this, it makes it sound like, you know, we're not disrespecting them or anything, but, you know, this talent there you have to admire this talent there. And on their day, they can absolutely rip you to shreds. But we've seen this year from so many teams that that fearsome aura about them is gone now. And if there's one thing our team does well, it's fight very, very hard in a game. And, you know, I think the abilities we can match up there against them despite this talent difference. And I think, you know, we've got a good shot at this. You know, They're, they're just not playing well at all. And it's not just going to change just because they're playing us.
2: I know and, it's their yeah, and, and I mean that O line was up against a Bears team last week that was missing Khalil Mack. And I don't I mean, think like- they
0: had a starter on that line, did they? Did I see someone, somewhere that said they didn't have a single starter on that defensive line? They were that, all out injured.
2: That was, the secondary. was um, the secondary. But I mean, the I mean Robert Quinn, who you know has, has had been had a bit of an up and down season, but he certainly no Khalil Mack. I mean, he just was all over that offensive line. I think. Russell Wilson took seven QB hits. Um, he just looked under pressure up the whole time. Um, and, and like I said, he just didn't look right throwing the ball. So I, I think there's a massive opportunity for our defence to get at Seattle and get at Wilson.
1: Yeah, right. Let's move on to the defence. So this defence overall, graded 63.4 per PFF, is 20th in the NFL, DVOA, 5.6% is 25th. In terms of points allowed, it's 307. So that's one more point than they've scored, which is interesting. Uh, 20.5 points per game is 7th in the NFL in terms of points allowed. Uh, they have sub uh, 393 completions, 4,064 yards, 21 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 6.7 yards per attempt. That's 31st. In attempts conceded. And in rushing. 459 attempts. 1719 yards. 13 touchdowns. 3.7 yards per attempt. That's second in the NFL. In terms of the yards per rush conceded. So they are extremely good against the run. However. We've conceded. That they are 31st in rushing attempts allowed. So. Not only are they 31st in attempts on offense, on both rushing and passing, they are on defense too. Now, that makes sense, because if you're not on offense, you're on defense. But it means they're losing the time of possession game handily. But you saw from the points per game allowed, despite all of that, this team doesn't break on defense considering the number of time, the amount of time they're on the field. They've actually been quite efficient. It's just they're on there so long they can't keep them out forever. And that's borne out by the third fourth down and red zone statistics so on third down 74 completions allowed or conversions allowed on 196 attempts 37.8 percent is ninth in the nfl on fourth down 11 um conversions on 27 attempts is 40.7 percent that's fifth in the nfl and in the red zone they really tighten up 27 touchdowns allowed on 55 trips is 49.1 percent and that's third in the NFL. So situationally, this defense works. They are on the field for a very long time. They don't give up many points and they really do well in situational football.
2: Yeah. I I think that the big um, surprise is the performance of the secondary this season. And if you think about um, the fact that the Seahawks should be picking at six, but they've given that pick to the New York Jets because of the Jamal Adams trade, you know, they've traded big for a safety uh, but if you look at the performance of Adams for, versus Quandre Diggs, as, as I was saying before, okay, Diggs has played 15 games compared to Adams' 12. But Diggs has got seven in seven passes defended, five interceptions against uh, Adams' five and two. And Diggs has got 68 yards of returning interceptions against Adams' zero. So when you think about the draft capital that they've given up, for Adams I mean he he's just very middle of the road in terms of his actual production whether there's some intangibles there in terms of people don't want to throw towards him or and that's why Diggs has uh, maybe benefit. I don't know but I tell you against the Bears the Bears didn't do it as, as you rightly said the Bears did not do it on the ground and the Bears have got like a reasonable running attack it was Nick Foles moved the ball Nick Foles, you know, consistently moved the ball against them and he was able to make two big plays in the red zone that cost them, yeah, you know, the Seahawks the game. Um, one which was a contested catch where he threw it up to, to Jimmy Graham and Jimmy Graham out, out jumped the corner. And the other was on the extra point play, uh, the two-point conversion, where he, he threw an absolute pinpoint ball. Um, I think it was... Uh, who was it who caught it I can't even remember who caught who caught it for the Bears but it was a great play Um, and Foles put it absolutely on the money and the Seahawks were all over the place
1: yeah yeah it was an interesting game actually having watched the highlights it was a bit back and forth obviously the snow was heavy so that really affected things and the
2: only nothing. in the first half, it did, it, it really it, it kind of like melted away in the second. So it was, so I think for the first quarter and maybe first one and a half quarters, I, I think it, it was starting to turn into a bit of a, a, a ground war. But then snow seemed to ease up, and they did start throwing it in the second half. Mm.
1: Yeah, falls looked good actually. Gotta say, he he looked like a reasonable starter. It Makes you wonder why he's <laughs> not been a factor so far this season.
2: He kind of looked like Jared Goff, like he struggled to start with. It took him a while to get going. He made a couple of throws, you're like, Oh, that was nearly picked, but then he just you know got into a bit of a groove, got into a rhythm, started making some throws. Confidence came back, and yeah, it was a he threw an absolute pinpoint two, um, two point play to Demir Bird in the end zone, which won them the game. And Bird caught it like one handed and like pulled it in. It was a great catch. Um, but I mean, the Seahawks just looked—they just stood around in disarray. The other thing that's always a big um, differential was the twelfth man of the Hawks' nest. The atmosphere—I don't know what you thought from the TV broadcast Matt, but it looked flat as fuck to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, there's nothing there. I'm gonna call it the Clink because it's the Clink. It's—I don't know what it's called now. Um, I don't care. But yeah, it was flat. It—it it, well, it sounded much like Ford Field has for much of the season. To be fair just a, a, a fan base had given up on the season so there we go let me mention the the stars on this defense before we talk any more about this so they've got the best inside linebacker arguably in football in bobby wagner one interception five passes defended a forced fumble a sack 170 tackles 93 of which solo three tackles were lost three quarterback hits the pff of 72 and a half and if you know anything about PFF and how they grade linebackers, 72 and a half is basically an elite grade. So he's still having a really good season there. Free safety, Quandre Diggs comes up next. Former Lion has five interceptions, seven pounds defended, 87 tackles, 60 foot solo, PFF grade of 71.2. And if you listen to the Detroit Lions podcast, you will have heard Jeff Risden suggest that Quandre Diggs could be on his way back to Detroit in this offseason. Oh, hello. Yeah, so apparently he still loves the Lions, doesn't hold any animosity towards them, and if we offer him a competitive salary that he would consider coming back to Detroit, Um, which I think is, you know, pair him with Tracy Walker. And Kyle Hamilton. (laughs) I mean, it would be be a very interesting way to play this offseason if Andre comes back, because he's a free agent and Seattle can't pay him. They have no money. so
0: Neither do we. <laughs> well, we have money. We just have limited money in terms of where we want to put it. Well, you always tell me off about the cap ramifications when we're going on about things. So if you want, Quandre, I'm going to tell you off about it.
1: Well, yeah, OK. Fair well, can, I'm, I'm right you
2: with Can I numbers. just say it's the 30th of <laughs> December... And we've had the first argument about cap space. Brilliant. Can't wait for wow. four months, guys.
0: Hey, this is not me. You know, I'm the optimistic <laughs> one. And Matt's like, no, you, you you know, Decker's contract's getting big. You've got to pay all your draft class. I'm like, shut up and let me enjoy my fantasy scenarios where I can pay people money.
1: Yeah, I want to give everyone all the money. Let's, let's get an all-fantasy team. Yeah. Um... The other guys on their defence, uh, defensive end Rasheem Green, four passes defended, six and a half sacks, the joint sack leader, 42 tackles, 24 of which solo, 15 quarterback kits for only a PFF grade of 51.9. The other defensive end has seen a resurgence recently, he's really come into his own. Carlos Dunlap, six passes defended from the defensive end position, one force fumble, six and a half sacks. 30 tackles, 20 foot solo, 11 quarterback hits, and a PFF grade of 72.5. So one of the highest on the team. But I mentioned their interior defensive linemen are the stars of the show in terms of getting things done. The first one's Al Woods. They're both on the injury report, of course. Bo- uh, Al Woods, three passes defended, one half sack, 49 tackles, 25 foot solo, five quarterback hits, PFF grade of 77.3. And Puna Ford, one pass defended, half a sack, 46 tackles, 20 solo, three quarterback hits and a pff grade of 72.8 other noticeable names on this team are cornerbacks dj reed and Sidney jones linebacker jordan brooks and former line defensive lineman kerry hyder who seems to bounce around the league and produces pretty well considering his contract value wherever he seems to go another guy that i'd love to bring home for some depth because i just think he's been good what are you good. gonna say there well, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's finish up no. with the special teams just because there's not much to say there. PFF grade at 57.4 is 32nd in the NFL. DVOA, however, puts them at 2.3%, which is sick in the NFL. So the metrics can't agree on whether they're one of the worst special teams of all time because they're worse than the Packers or one of the best in the league this season. Eh, I don't know. What I do know is that Jason Myers has only kicked 19 field goals this season, and he's missed six of them. And, you know, you're outdoors in Seattle, it's never going to be easy, but even I know that's bad. 33 of 36 on extra points isn't great either. And kickoff starts, he only has 27.3% touchback rate. So we are getting returns this week. godwin iguib is going to see a lot of kick returns, so... You know, in really bad weather conditions, can he not fumble? That's yeah, going to be a big question. I'd rather he didn't. Yeah, me too. Punters Michael Dixon, 80 punts, 47.2 yards per punt. So that rounds out the special teams and defence. It's one of those odd ones, isn't it? They've lost time of possession pretty much every game they've played this season. And in terms of ways to win, I've got to hammer that home too. In the last game that we just had, even though we only had Tim Boyle, we absolutely destroyed um, Atlanta in time of possession, 38 minutes to 22. And if we've got a chance in this game, I've got to say we got to try and do the same thing.
0: Play hard. That defense is, you know, it's battered. It's bruised. It's been on the pitch for a long, long time. I mean, just look at the stats on there. I mean, I don't worry about any of those defensive stats. They're just padded stats because they've been on the field so long. You know, it's, it's not like they're doing anything out of the ordinary. It's just that they're out there so long. They're racking up all these tackles, et cetera, et cetera. So just go at them. Do what we do. Long, methodical drives, six, seven-minute drives. Obviously, try and finish them off with more points, but just just wear them down and break them and keep Russell Wilson on the sideline. That's, that's where you go. And you know we've shown that we're capable of doing it. We've we've got our game plan together now. We we know our offense. We know our offensive strengths now. It's run the ball, get to third and short, convert. And we've got the added bonus that a lot of times we go for it on fourth down as well. And even if we don't go for it on fourth down, we do because we pull out the fake punts. We pull out the we pull out the playbook. It's really hard to battle our offense you know especially if the running game's working well our offense is a nightmare to deal with just because we keep going for it and going for it and going for it and I'd just like to say you've probably discussed it earlier on the pod this week the thing now saying that the Lions are the most successful team at going for it on fourth downs in the entire NFL you know that's I've advocated this from day one the players have shown personal development because they've been put in tough situations they've been asked to convert fourth down so many times now and what that does to your players is it creates character puts them in tough situations and forces them to rise up and deliver and they are doing and what's that what that's done now is given our offense an even better edge Because even if you're in those third and short situations, you don't convert, you can still feel relatively confident that they're going to go for it and they're going to make something good of it. And opposition defenses just will not get a rest from it.
2: Well, you've always got Jack Fox for that uh, fake pun.
0: Exactly, he throws a beautiful ball in there. So you know. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm just waiting for Jack Fox to come
0: out on third down. <laughs> yeah, just put him, put just, him in just, shotgun.
1: Put him in yeah. shotgun. Just, just, just play it up, and you know. Well, never mind that. Just come out in punt formation, and just be like, come at us.
0: We're gonna throw a fake punt here, and it's still yeah. watch down. Watch the wide receivers very carefully. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I no think, one's gonna fall for that again.
2: I think for me, the the only thing I saw that was uh, you know a threat coming out of that Seattle defense was, I mean, Carlos Dunlap was a problem all game for the Bears. He absolutely terrorised them. Um, you know, he was always yeah. making plays or putting pressure on. And, you know, he's not the best Ed Rusher in the league. And maybe that says something about the Bears' O-line. But, I mean, he certainly looked up for it. Um, and he was certainly the the one player that was, like, getting the crowd going and getting the rest of the team going because he looked like he wanted to absolutely decapitate Foles. Um but the, the, from the rest of the the defense, I didn't see much to worry us.
1: Yeah, it's one of those weird ones, isn't it? It's it's a sort of thing where I'm like, okay, so we've got Decker and Saul, so he might get one sack, but I won't give him any more than that. And yet, if we've got Tim Boyle a quarterback, him getting sacks really isn't something that we should be worrying about particularly much. Not because it won't happen, of course, it will. But we're not going to win and lose because of course back play if Tim Boyle is the starter. We're going to win and lose because we win time of possession and we win on the ground. Because if Tim Boyle is starting, we're probably not winning it through the air. Or if we are, he's game managed it to hell, which is exactly what he did last week, to be fair to him. So I think you're going to see a game of more of the same for last week. I think that apart from Dunlap, I'm not worrying about their, their D-line much like the Falcons they got a little bit to them in coverage but not particularly much we need to win up front if those defensive tackles play we've got to see the interior of our line win up front, push the line back a little bit and allow Jamal Williams to get some more success on the ground like he showed last week if we can do that, we can win the game even with Boyle in a quarterback.
0: What. Oh, I that seems a bit harsh. I think Boyle had a really good game. I don't think we won in well. We you know, we would win in spite of him. I thought he made some good throws and the offense moved well. If he didn't make that one bad pass at the end, and Dan Campbell himself has said he should have given him pre-snap to monitor what the defense was doing, we'd be saying what a good game he'd had. So I think it's a bit harsh to say in spite of it.
2: But but that's the, the thing with the NFL and the and the QB it's just that it is that one bad pass in the fourth quarter that kills the game. And that's what so many QBs are are judged on. And we've we've seen it from a lot better QBs than Boyle this season where, you know, I mean, just look at how Baker Mayfield went to pieces um, against the Packers the other day, just making the wrong call at at the wrong time. Um, And that's the problem with Boyle is Boyle has got this reputation as someone that can always throw a pick. So, it's almost like there's just going to be that lack of confidence and that might impact how we scheme the offence and maybe slow us down where we should be a bit more aggressive.
1: I think the thing with Boyle is that in this game, two things were true. He definitely played better than almost everyone expected him to play. He didn't play well. Like, he, he completed some passes that... He wasn't completing earlier on in the season, especially in preseason, but also in his other start. You know, in his other start, you have, what, 80 passing yards or whatever it was. He was certainly better than that. He was making some throws on time to the places they need to be. None of them were 10A yards or more, really, I don't think, apart from maybe that one late in the first half. No, no, that was a different game. Um, I don't think many of them were more than 10 yards down the field. So, check down Merchant, but did that effectively. And that's good. We need that in order to be able to win games. I'm not knocking him for it. But they weren't special throws either. There were a couple of turnover-worthy plays that weren't converted. I especially remember one pick in the first half that should have been that, that didn't happen. And then, obviously, he did throw the pick that did happen. And he did miss some other throws which a more competent quarterback, uh, a starter-level quarterback, would have made. Did he look starter-level? No, he didn't. But he also impressed me compared to where I thought he would have been. And both of those things are allowed to be true. And I think that a lot of fans forget that he's never going to be more than a backup. And he's gotten better, and that's really good. Like, he showed me enough that I thought that he could be re-signed as the backup as long as it was at that minimum. Nah.
2: (laughs) I I think that... I think the discussion about a backup QB becomes a lot more relevant when you've got a starting QB that you absolutely kind of believe in. But surely the whole point of a backup QB is someone that if your QB1 not not only gets injured, but also, you know, has struggles with form or has like a nightmare, you know, half or quarter, you want to be able to put the backup QB in. And I can't imagine how bad Goff would have to play to go, well, what's the solution to this? Okay, it's Tim Boyle. Well, we saw how
1: bad Jared Goff can be in this season. It couldn't have been much worse, and they didn't turn to Tim Boyle. Yeah. But it all comes down to efficient use of resources, which is a phrase I, will, I have used a lot on this podcast this season. I will continue to use through the off season because it's true. Do you want to pay? A backup quarterback a lot of money to do nothing for the majority of the season because i hate that idea i'm sorry but if your starting quarterback goes down season over and if your quarterback goes down for a couple of games you you want that backup quarterback to give you a chance of winning that game in yeah, an isolated just, game here or there do
0: that's we not- want to go back to paying the likes of Jeff Driscoll and that four or five million, whatever stupid amount it was? Oh no, Dris- Driscoll didn't get paid that
1: much. He was on minimum. No, I'm chase not going
0: to have to chase Chase, chase-, chase, chase Daniel, Daniel, absolutely. Chase Daniel, do we do we want him again? No, we don't. Absolutely not.
2: But but that's, I don't think that is the case in the modern NFL. If your starting QB goes down, the season's over. I mean, you know, Nick Foles has proved that with the Eagles. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ra-
0: Raymond's gone on the COVID list.
2: Oh, flipping heck! I saw the. I, I just think that Goff hasn't pro- practiced today.
1: Oh, that really hurts us. That's that's, that's not the wind out ourselves a little bit.
0: Oh, you got Reynolds. <laughs> you got Reynolds and Amon, Ra. Do we have Reynolds? Josh Reynolds. Yeah, being.
1: Not I don't know. Him. I don't know why I thought that he was on the COVID list. No. Or
0: no? so. okay. All right. Or if he is, then he can be off it in time. But. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. Fair enough. I mean, Re- Reynolds and Allen Rao by themselves. Oh, no. Do
0: something. Josh Reynolds is on the list. Oh, but I think they Thank said you. he'll be back. He's vaccinated, and he'll be back.
1: He's no. So he went on on Monday, and Risden said he can come back. But again, it's like the previous week, even though the protocols have changed, it is potentially difficult. Might happen, might not happen.
0: But well, let's just say it's gonna be a wonderful day for whoever's got Amon Ra in their fantasy team in the finals. You
1: say that, but if all the attention is on him and they get to take him away, what do you think these guys are gonna worry about? Cadarel Hodge? I'm sorry, he caught the fake punt and he did fine. Uh, but...
0: Trinity Benson's back, thank you. Oh
1: no. Oh no, now oh, breaking out the big God. Names. <laughs>
2: Oh, Jesus Christ. Let, let, let's not end on a surge of negativity because it's been all positive so far. So let's let's just pull ourselves out of this nose okay. knife. Come Ways on, to
1: win the all game. Right. B- Ways to win the game. 30 seconds
2: each. We can do that. Steve, go. Lions win. Why? Um, I think we have to try and establish the a, a running game. Um, I know that the Seahawks are, are tough against the run, um, but we, we can't just rely on... Goff or, or Boyle. Um, we need to try and, and get the running game going and then, you know, just do exactly what we did um, two or three times in the, in, in the last few games is is just get Goff with confidence, throwing the ball. And then the defense has just got to be you know, mistake free. And we've got to put some pressure on that O line and we've got to get to, to Russell Wilson.
1: And 30 seconds. Lines win the game. Why?
0: Starts now. Do exactly what we did in the last game, except just be a bit more, well, we've got to convert more in the red zone. That, that's simply it. Just exactly the same game plan. Just aggressive defence, get after their quarterback, stop their running, and just long, slow, methodical offensive drives, keeping them off the pitch. Exactly the same, which better in the red zone.
2: And, and I think having DeAndre Swift back and being able to use him as a pass-catching um, you know, receiver as well as a running back. For me, that's the scheme that potentially wins us the game.
1: I want to go to what SW Lines has been talking about all year, which is two back sets, because Swift is not a good running back. Sorry. We, we've been doing that more, though. We have been doing it more, but we need to do it a lot more. When Swift is on the field, he is one of the worst running backs in terms of efficiency in the entire NFL.
2: Well, he's not a power back. We And we've tended to use him as a power back.
1: Yes, we are misusing him. That's absolutely true. But it's also true that he still hasn't evaded the pressure that he's felt. He's got one of the lowest broken tackle rates in the NFL on running plays.
2: But how many so, of those are running up the gut on when it's when we've you know, when we've already abandoned the passing game.
1: Yeah, okay, that that's true. Again, like I say, we have been misusing him, but we haven't exclusively used him as a power back and he still hasn't done it on the stretch plays, the outside runs, zone runs. It hasn't happened a huge amount, but it's not been an insignificant part of the offence and Swift is still being bad doing that. So I I know that Reynolds, I know that Williams are more suited to the type of running game that we have. At the same time, if neither of those guys are on the field but Swift is, they don't have to worry about the running game. So either the scheme needs to slightly change to incorporate what Swift does well in the running game better, or we need Swift and someone else in the backfield so that they have to worry about both. I'd like to see a bit more of that. But it's a time of possession game. I want to see a couple of sacks from Charles Harris. Uh, Jalen Reeves maybe, and I want to see him actually get into this game because... Hopefully he does because he's on the injury report and might miss it. But if he's playing, he's been a revelation for me. I am so impressed with what he's done this season. I don't think anyone saw it coming. Um, he still requires a bit of time out on the field being the guy to kind of get used to exactly what happens because he hasn't done it for so long that I think he's, his development is still slightly behind to where perhaps it should be for a fourth or fifth year guy. But He's done fantastically, I think, considering where he's been regarded by Lions fans the last three years. And I look forward to seeing him being good in coverage and being really good against the run in this game. Because Rashard Penny's is going to get a lot of work. And Alex Collins is going to get a lot of work. And we're going to need to be sharp for that. Because we all know that as much as Let Russ Cook was a thing last year, the only reason why it was a thing is because Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. It's what he wants to do, and they're going to try and do it to us. So, JRM, I want to see have a big game. Aline McNeil. Aline McNeil had a fantastic game last week. I want to see that continue too.
2: Yeah, I want to see more. I want to see McNeil taking more snaps.
1: Get him on the field!
0: I've laboured this point to death already. It's it's infuriating to see Nick Williams and Michael Brockers getting so many touches. It's just, just give him to the rookies. I don't know why he's not getting it. You saw last week, he got a sack from two tech, it ain't just a no tackle. Play him in the damn four. Yeah, he can absolutely,
1: definitely play that role. And with um, Brock as being on the COVID list, and with it only being yesterday that he was put on, it seems unlikely he's going to play. So, big opportunity, hopefully, for Ali. Unless, of course, that gives more stats to Levi on Ruzarike, who... Has not been good. Sneaky has been bad.
0: I'd see either of them. I'd put the two of them together and just let them go hell for leather. Only two games left. Give them the playing time.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. Anything else you guys want to get
1: off your chest?
0: No, I've got a dash, so Yeah.
1: Yeah, we've kept you for too long. (laughs) An entertaining bit of of early draft talk. (laughs) Absolutely. It's coming. It's coming, that draft talk, three months of it, it's coming. I think well, I it's four wait. months. It's four months of
2: it. Well, well,
0: give us it for the college pod. I need some. We need some material for the college pod now to keep us going, so get your draft talk on over there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, Steve, if I remember rightly last year, we don't have to follow this pattern, but last year in between the end of our season and the end of the season, we focused on, the Royal Lions annual award show, which is coming back very shortly after the Lions have finished their season. So we're going to need to get in nominations on a particular week and then we're going to need to do awards the week after. We had a look at a season review episode which was an entire week. We dropped down to one episode a week of course as well. Um, and then we have a look at the rest of the NFL in terms of the free agents that are finishing, the players that are still playing Super Bowl previews just because it's still happening and it's fun to talk about. And so by the time the Super Bowl runs around, then you've got your three months.
2: Yeah, I think it's—I uh, think talking draft before the Super Bowl, it, you're just prolonging the agony. We've got so long to talk about the draft. Oh, so sweet. let's well, enjoy, well, enjoy the playoffs. It, like enjoy from a neutral point of view, yeah, you know, the playoffs are going to be wild this season. No one really knows who's going to win. There's no clear. Oh, stars. the Chiefs! The Chiefs. See, that's that's Sorry. That's all. That's all, <laughs>
0: that's all well and good, Steve. But some of us have a show to do, which revolves around the draft now. So unfortunately, you know, this is this is our modus operandi now. I'm going to spend in the next four months watching tape. Eesh. Yeah, there we and go. My thoughts are with you. Well, you know, you, you you like my tape sessions, don't you? I I break it down well, so at least at least you'll be well informed. Absolutely. The AF sessions. Right. I've got to dash, guys. <laughs> got to so dash, I and shall... we're gonna dash too. So, yeah. Prediction. Yeah. Prediction. Oh, Lions! Lions gonna. Uh, all the pressure's on the Seahawks. They're not playing well. There's no pressure on us. We're gonna play hard and fast and loose. I think we can get a win there. And I hope we do.
2: Um, I think we are going to lose 2017.
1: Oh, I'm going Seahawks win 13-6. to six. Just think this
2: is... That, that's awful a low-scoring slog of a game.
1: Yep. Well, bad weather. Good defensive line stopping the run on their point. OK stopping the run on our point. Not much else to focus on in terms of offense for them. I think Either it could us. be a snow game again. Yeah, I think so too. I think they said it was going to be 39 degrees or something Fahrenheit, which is what, freezing? So two or three degrees centigrade, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it could well be. Uh, uh, apologies, Ken, for the lag there. I think I was uh, exiting the room, which caused that. But there we go. Anyway. Time for us to sign off. Any questions
2: in chat or is is that everyone? There's
1: there's lots of chat going on, but I don't think actually questions for us. It's all draft chat.
2: Hutchinson, (laughs) Thibodeau. Guys, we've got four months. Let's calm your tits with the draft talk. But it's the Lions Super Bowl. This is where we
1: win. We have to talk about it for months. And you despair of it, but this is where we did really well. Last season, in terms of listenership numbers, when other podcasts go away, this is where we come into our own because we've been on it for the last few months already in terms of looking at college, and so we've got a head start. If you want draft knowledge, it's here already. So, as much as you may despair of it,
2: it's all good. It's all good. And the, the only good thing about draft talk is it's marginally more interesting than cap space talk.
1: Oh, Cat Traced Dog, 40 million dollars, but 50 with Trey Flowers, and 15 million dollars for the rookies, so we've got 35 million dollars, and I'll stop, because I know I'm... Oh, look, we've lost listeners. <laughs> 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 oh, man, I'm sorry, guys. Right, who has a cat with a cable in its mouth? I don't know, Ken. <laughs> I don't know whether that's a joke or not.
2: Uh... That's quite psychedelic. It's Who has it? Like... Oh, is that to do with your cap behind you? This?
1: Uh huh. I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. know. It's um, I got this at Thanksgiving. So it's on every seat in Ford Field. Uh, I don't know. So I it. it was pretty cool. Very good. Yeah, a little keepsake. I. I couldn't actually get into the team store while I was there, which is a bit of a pain because it was the state championships the next few days after the game I went to, and I couldn't get in during the game because it was chopper. So, sad times. go we'll anyway. back. We'll
2: have to go back next year.
1: And if anyone has $5,000 to donate to the Matthew Turner to Detroit funds, be gratefully received. Oh, yeah, that was five days that I'm never going to forget, mainly because of the hole of my backpack, But, also, for the memories created.
2: You've got the whole summer to do your paper round and save up like those, that cash. Oh, yeah. God, love that. Um,
1: who do we trade flowers to? Says Ken. We don't. The guy's cut. No one is trading for him unless we eat cat for him. So we could convert his salary to a signing bonus, which means then that that becomes guaranteed puts his cap hit to the future years of his contract. We then trade him and we absorb that extra cap hit. So if we save at the moment $10 million, I think that we could get as much as a fourth round pick for Flowers if we absorb basically all of that $10 million. I don't know about you, but that sounds like f- a bad trade. Fifth, sixth round pick at best. Well, with, the cap, with the cap as it is Can't see anything better than that. I can't see anyone trading a 7th for him because I just don't think he makes it on the open market. And I don't think he's been playing well enough that people actually would like to get a jump on him. I think the Patriots are very secure in their knowledge. He'll be cut and he'll come back to them for a very team friendly deal. So don't be surprised to see it. One year, $8 million. So the Pats, it's just written in the stars. Well, um, the, Bears, the Bears
2: do have a form recently of a dumpster dive through uh, the the darker, um, dingier corners of our roster.
1: I mean, I I'm aware that my takes on Trey Flowers and the highlight reel have been much maligned in recent weeks. However, I would argue he is significantly better than the bargain basement guys we're talking about on the Bears team.
2: He I mean, is- T's table is taking snaps at Soldier Field. Imagine that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, well, I can imagine that because it, it fucking happened here, didn't it? Oh, he picked up a couple of
2: wonderful personal fouls in the last couple of uh, weeks as well, which I enjoyed. The personal foul was him being on the field. Cutting. Even for you. Yeah. <laughs> Ap- apologies to all our friends at Bear Down Report.
1: Oh, no, they're great, though. They're such nice guys. Love them. Right, time to go. Next episode, Monday, January 3rd, Lions at the Seahawks review show. Don't forget to join us on Sunday to watch the game along with us. Chat along on the um, Discord channel. DM us on Twitter for the link. I might put one up just before the game as well. College Football Podcast will be airing later on this week, looking at the rest of the bowl games, any more transfer or transfer, the news. They'll be on that. We also recently chatted with Herman Moore, Glover Quinn. You'll want to go and have a watch of those really, really enlightening stuff. Uh, socials, Royal The UK, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the group, Detroit oh. Lions fans, uk one Pride Worldwide, website UK.com. Please, please take the time, just a moment to like the episode on YouTube and sub to the podcast if you haven't done already. It makes a massive difference to us. Uh, one in terms of the algorithm and how that works, boring crap that I won't go into, but makes a big difference in terms of who can find us but also just tells us we're doing a good job, which is really nice to see, you know, the, the positive reinforcement is something great. Just like to take a moment to hope, you know, wish that you guys have a, a happy new year, that you have a good New Year's Eve, that you don't take it to too much excess, or maybe you're staying home because of the pandemic, in which case just get really drunk. Um, that's fine. Drink responsibly. <laughs> hope you have a good one too, Steve.
2: Cheers. Stay away from the Rona guys. Get your boosters. Yeah, right.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see you again on the Royal The Lions UK podcast. You can win this game even with Tim Boyle. Let's go Lions one pride. One pride.
2: Fuck the Packers. <music>